to down to down to yeah, miffed and peeved. That's a way of saying like you're angry or you're mad. Don't be miffed and peeved. Miffed. Don't be miffed and peeved. It's a real word. It's a real word. It's a real one. I don't use it. Not in your vocabulary. Down to down. Yes. This is Stephen Adams. Don't be miffed and peeved. No, you can't be miffed and peeved. Sorry. This is Stephen Adams. You can't be miffed and peeved because you're listening to Down to Dunk. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schleicher, part of CLNS Media, DailyThunder.com, and feature on Dash Radio Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 5 o'clock Central Time. With me today is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? It's draft time, so the second best time of the year besides NBA season, or maybe the best. Uh, I love the NBA draft. We're, uh, so people had asked, because it's something that we did a lot last year. That's how Michele got on the podcast is that we were just we would talk about draft prospects and you were helping me with stuff on daily thunder and i was like why don't we just record a podcast and that's how this you know and i was like it was great you did a great job and so we started doing them you know just about the thunder but uh we're kind of getting back to our roots here with these draft prospects and uh it's this is an interesting draft i we're going to go over a few of the guys at the top um but I thought we could talk a little bit of just the NBA and a little bit of Thunder, and then we'll get into a few prospects. But uh, we you know, went over some of the guys in last year's draft, and Jason Tatum wasn't my favorite guy. Like I, I didn't love him. I didn't love his game. I thought that he took too many ISO mid-range jumpers like he looked to me like a Tobias Harris type of guy he could move a little bit better than Harris does but that's who I saw and I was like you know what like that's a good player obviously you'd want him but I just don't see him early in the draft well I was just like dead wrong and Brad Stevens has been maybe the it's maybe one of the maybe the best situation for him in the league to go play for Brad and also that Gordon Hayward is out and he has the opportunity um, because this dude plays with more poise than I've seen really any other rookie play with. Uh, You'd think that he's been in the NBA for five years now, the way that he plays, he, he's just incredible. Yeah. And, and like, Tatum coming out of Duke, like with Duke, you have, you have always to think about what are the other choices when you evaluate the player offense. Mm-hmm. Um, like they had Kennard, they had uh, Grayson Allen, but like the spacing wasn't really there. So yeah. you can play some pick and roll and it was effective with Kennard, uh, but then you cannot always run uh, cannot pick and roll and so when tatum has the ball in his hands you say well why don't doesn't he create or play in a flow of an offense well because the this space wasn't there and because probably he's he likes to play that way we we've seen that uh in this playoff run he likes to play iso but but that's not the only thing that he can slash will do um and so like coming into the draft there were there were like a lot of questions regarding tatum not just is ISO, um, but but mainly about like his 
like defensive issues because he was not a great defender. But again, uh, don't look as too much when you, when you watch Duke players because yeah. we have like different track records. Like Parker was abysmal uh, and is probably still abysmal. Um, other guys like Tatum are not that way. And I remember in the draft process, he said specifically, now that I am in the draft, like now that I've, I mean, I'm in Boston, I have to work like hell on my defense. Like mm-hmm. first thing that he said. And in summer league, like we both watch him and the, th- the two things that were clear to me um, were A, he was applying himself on defense more than I ever seen him doing in, in, in college. And mm-hmm. second, he was playing offensively in a totally different way like shooting threes, passing the ball. And if you see a player doing that kind of shift in just two months, it means that he knew all along where his place was in Duke and his place will be in Boston. And yeah. So we, we never have like the complete picture. And it's, it's really, really hard to know if a player will adapt or wants to adapt or what is the work ethic or... All this, all this little stuff that actually makes a difference. And yes, you said like Boston is probably the best place for him to to thrive. Oh yeah, and I think of like Jaron Jackson. We're going to talk more about him. But like I, <laughs> like if he was able to go to Boston, I just feel like like he'd be perfect. Like their defensive mm-hmm. system and the way I don't know, he would just be perfect for them. And they, there's a chance that they could that they could get him um but yeah i i i think that boston is is scary i didn't you know uh, and like a lot of people we didn't give them much of a chance against lebron just because like the argument is it's like lebron james and he just does stuff and he's just maybe the best player of all time and you watch what happened yesterday i mean it was without a doubt a worst case scenario for the cavaliers they shot the ball mm-hmm. horribly they just didn't play well and they couldn't, they couldn't keep up. They made a couple runs here and there and then Boston would immediately just slam the door shut. And, you know, it would not shock me to see the Boston Celtics in the NBA finals. And I, I it's a, it's probably a little bit of an overreaction to yesterday. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I would still probably bet on LeBron figuring things out and getting there again. But, you know, this team is scary and it's, they're truly scary when you think about Kyrie Irving on this team and Mm -hmm. then Gordon Hayward on this team and the development of a guy like Jalen Brown, who we haven't mentioned yet, who's been just outstanding. And then Al Horford being the best version of Al Horford. I mean, it's they're, Man, they're that, truly that, that a terrifying stinks. team. Like what? watching Al Horford thriving in in a spread out system with oh, good talent around him. Mm-hmm. It's probably the the greatest regret of KD leaving uh, because like oh, a player man. like that, like they by all knowledge they had him. But anyway, yeah, you're right. right. Al Horford was amazing. Yeah, he's so good. Yeah, he's yeah. There's the, this Thunder team just keeps acquiring what ifs at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and like the latest one is like not only Horford, but you have Victor Oladipo as your yeah. sixth man, 
And the fact that yeah. he could learn from Westbrook and Durant in the, with that and Horford with that team. And like yeah. he would be that dude coming off the bench that he was this year. Like he could yeah. easily be that guy. I don't know. I can't do that anymore. Uh Paul yeah. Paul, George, Paul George had surgery this past yes. week and another little little thing that may mean nothing or might mean something is that he was wearing these slip-on sandals and they had the Oklahoma City Thunder logo on them while he's walking around his house. His girlfriend just did this quick little video of him. And it's just one more thing that may mean something or absolutely (laughs) nothing. Just this little rabbit trail of uh, things that Paul George is doing, whether he's playing paintball with Russell Westbrook or hanging out with Russ at his party and wearing the thunder stuff and the thunder uh team and his people decided to do the surgery um it's just interesting he's also being treated for and his elbow was also being treated at the time as well so he's all wrapped up um which i we just all talk about like wanting him to come back but those two things are a little bit scary and i don't know if those kind of things would make him think more about like, maybe I do sign a five-year deal with OKC because they can give me that fifth year. And in that fifth year, I'm making 40 something million dollars and I couldn't get that anywhere else. Like what if him over almost any other star in the league, like knows that this can be done in an instant. You know, his career was almost done and he was able to come back. Um, But it just makes you wonder if that's something that he thinks about. Just, you know, what if what if I do sign a one year deal with somebody or two year deal with somebody and then Mm -hmm. it's I'm done in, you know, two and a half, three years. You know, maybe maybe I should just go get everything I can now so that. I can secure my future and he's got kids and he's got, you know, a long term girlfriend and he's got all these life things happening and he does like Russell a lot. And despite what people think he does enjoy playing with Russell Westbrook and he has shown over the past few years that he's really not your number, not going to be your number one guy. Um, like he doesn't have that mentality we saw in game six in Utah that um, he's just not that guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, uh, to me, all this makes sense. Um, I, it's always a delicate uh, line uh, to, to put your feet on. Um, And so I I'm almost sure that everyone will give four years uh, to to PG next summer. If you oh no that. question, and and I'm also sure that those forty millions, uh, maybe a bit more than that, I don't remember the exact amount, uh, are something that he won't get in year five, like five years from now. From five years from now, yeah. there is no chance he signed for forty again. And probably like little chance. You have to be Chris Paul, LeBron James to do that. Like if you're not a top five player uh, and you are like more than 32, there's no real chance to sign that kind of contract. 
Like yeah. it's it's very easy to do. You you have to find uh, a desperate franchise franchise that has just you as a possibility to be a good one. Um, right. Like Conley signed like uh, an extension when he was thirty or twenty nine, and it was really borderline. <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, Memphis signed that extension just because they are nothing without him, and mm-hmm. so. There's not many chances, you're right, that he signed those, um, um, like that he gets 40 um, five years from now. Uh, yeah. One other thing that I, I think it's very relevant is his elbow. Like yeah. for the entire season, he lamented um, pain and stiffness in his elbow. And uh, correct me, uh, uh, the pronunciation is bursitis? Uh, like yeah, the, uh, you you're you're just as good as i am with that yeah okay because i had it um in my uh heel like the right heel uh mm-hmm. when in my good times i used to play like everyday pickup uh after when i was in at purdue uh in indiana so i used to play like every day and after a while I got this bursitis on my heel, um, which gives the following feeling. Like for the first 10, 15, 30 minutes, you are good to go, like nothing. It's like you're completely healthy. And then it starts to burn. And then it starts to have, you start to feel pain and stiffness in that area. Like next day, good to go. So it's it's really tricky to treat. Uh, you can mm. put ice, you can do sort of stuff, and it doesn't really matter how much you rest. Like when I went back, I stayed for like a week without playing basketball. And as soon as I did that again, like a week after, so complete rest, after 15 minutes, that started to burn. And so I had to have treatments and, and stuff like that. So... The injury and the, the, the pathology is really like you can you can believe that he had that for a long period of time and you get treatment. So you're probably fine for the first half and then you start feel pain. And if you look into Paul George numbers for this season, you look a very, very different production just in terms of efficiency from first half to second halves. Like yeah. you there is a 10 percent drop in efficiency from one half to the other. And I'm not saying that it's just that, but if you really had that disease for the entire season, like playing for a year, for an hour or two, like the second part, you can play through, like I did for fun, so it, it was not a big deal, but it it hurts. And you notice that when you when you shoot, you notice that, well, I noticed that when I, when I was jumping. So, I mean, I'm not going. I'm not a doctor. I just had the same pathology, and I I, I can assure you, uh, you can play through it. You don't. You don't have to be. Um, uh, you don't have to have surgery to remove it, but it's painful, and so it can affect your shot. Hmm. Really interesting. Playing. Well, yeah, and I a also lot of spoke things. to to other guys. Yeah, yeah, no, it can be, it can be, and again, it's not just my. Uh, I, I ask around uh, with, with guys that had the same stuff in different parts, like mm-hmm. knees or uh, or elbows, and and they all say the same stuff that you can play through. Uh, you don't notice that for a for a short period of time, and then sooner or later, when you start moving the part that that particular part, you will feel it, and it will mess up, mess around with your with your like standard motion. 
Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that can, that can be an explanation. Yeah. That, I mean, all that makes a ton of sense. Um, yeah. Well, and we'll see, you know, it wouldn't, I mean, he could still take a two year deal and then someone would probably still give him a four year deal after that. And so he could still recoup yeah. money then. Like I get that, but like an NBA career can be really delicate. And so it will be, he will really have to think long and hard about that because we, we thought that Kevin Love would do the same thing a few years ago that he'll take a one year deal and then he'll yep. be able to reach, you know, that 10 year milestone and then he'll be able to get everything he wants. And as I know, he took everything he could get at the moment. Yeah. And five so years. I just wonder if that, and that's something I've neglected to discuss um, is him possibly just taking the five years from Oklahoma city and saying, you know what? I like playing with Russ and I want, and I want to get everything I can now. And the thunder would be so happy to, (laughs) to do such a thing. Um, And and remember Andrew, like Kevin love first, it is LeBron, like it is playing with LeBron. So there is a clear advantage there, but the first season of Kevin love in Cleveland was not a good one. Mm-hmm. Like he struggled to find any rhythm. He struggled to find any consistency. He wasn't getting touches. Um, he had to change his game completely, just being a spot up shooter. So it wasn't a like it wasn't a very very easy situation for him. I'm right. sure he could have signed anywhere anywhere else and being like probably the main guy or close mm-hmm. to that. Mm-hmm. And instead, he decided to even if everything went wrong health health wise and team wise because it was not a very uh democratic team it's just lebron and do whatever i need to to do to win uh which is a very like successful stuff to have because he's lebron but still um and kevin law decided to sign uh, no matter of those um issues yeah yeah, it's it, it's a uh, a saga that will continue for the next month and a half with and probably longer with Paul because mm-hmm. I think that Paul George will likely wait to see what LeBron does before he does anything. Um, but yeah, if you're a Thunder fan, like you going into this summer, if you knew that they lost in the first round, you probably you know preemptively think he there's no chance of him coming back here, and I would say that you'd have to be feeling pretty good as a Thunder fan that, you know, there's, they have a chance. I'm not saying it's like the, like he's certainly coming back, but he's, you have the Thunder have a chance to bring him back. And I think that's all that you can ask for at this point is to just be a part of the conversation with him. And so, you know, I think the Thunder certainly have that going for them. So, um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. There's a lot of, there's a lot of layers to this Paul George stuff and, you know, at the end of the day, I wouldn't be surprised if he did opt to choose that five-year deal just because, you know, I mean, like, just think of yourself as a person. Like, security mm-hmm. means a lot to you, especially when you have a family. Now, if you're, like, a single guy and whatnot, like, you can feel, you feel the almost permission to take risks more. But whenever you have a family and you have children, like, you start to think more about security and locking stuff in for your family if you can do that and so you know paul george is a as a person just like we are and i just wonder 
if that i mean i'm sure that will come into the conversation will he ultimately mm-hmm. choose that i have no idea but i think that that will be more a part of the conversation than than what we have led on to this point i'd like to thank andy's frozen custard for sponsoring today's show you've got to get to andy's frozen custard today if you live in oklahoma texas missouri arkansas it's getting hot and what do you want you want something cold you want some frozen custard and andy's is easily the best frozen custard i've had in my whole life it's made fresh hour by hour uh it's just incredible it's creamy it's rich it's delicious you can get anything any kind of topping you can think of they have it whether it's like a chocolate or you want a kind of fruit topping they have a blueberry concrete right now that's on special and it's really fresh and light and delicious so you've got to go check out andy's frozen custard today support the people that support us at down to dunk and get yourself some andy's michele let's talk about some draft prospects yeah first of all uh i haven't watched this much college basketball since last year when we covered the draft Mm -hmm. and i uh forgot about uh the zone and how much the zone is a part of college (laughs) basketball and it just absolutely kills me um there are (laughs) then then you don't watch european basketball because you you get a fair amount of zone there it's just it's just like less space and less like shooters yeah less reliable shooters so Um, you have to play that there's also a ton of beefcakes in the college basketball which i you don't see a ton of beefy dudes in the nba like that and also so many post-ups i mean i just i mean it's it is just a a different game um but let's talk about deandre ayton he's like the consensus number one guy he's the guy that everybody should take if they get the number one pick and i'm not so convinced that he should be that guy after watching him uh, what are your what are your initial thoughts on deandre aiden well i'll use um a sentence that i am stealing from a dear friend of mine um that you should all follow uh on twitter his name is lorenzo neri uh and his and is just basically name surname and then 84 so lorenzo neri 84 who says um, deandre aiden has the best hardware in the draft by a mile, but it still runs Windows XP. Very reliable, very stable, but not nothing more than that. Mm-hmm. So I kind of this is where I stand on Aiden. He has like an amazing body. He is oh, yeah. quick. He he is massive. He has like very long arms. We will see the measurements probably um, the official one uh, in a, in a in a week or so or two weeks, mm-hmm. and he knows how to do basically everything, but it doesn't stand out to you for, for something in particular. So he doesn't, he doesn't have advanced post moves. He has a shot that is good, but not great. Yeah. He has decent feelings, like decent um, understanding of the defensive side, but he gets lost a lot. He has quick feet, but not like overly quick fit. So it's, it's a weird prospect. I mean, it's a safe prospect because nine times out of ten at the starting caliber centers, that is probably going to be um, a good one. Um, maybe not a franchise player, but a very, very good uh, starting center. 
Yeah. But those like those guys are not so valuable. He he, he can shoot the three. So this is, this, like, at least he's able to. So that is the part of the package that you really like uh, from a 7, like, 7-1, seven, 7-2, seven, uh, probably. Yeah. Um, he's He's guy. got, like, the same measurables as Joel Embiid did coming out yeah. of college. He's yeah. seven, 7 feet, maybe a little bit taller than that, 7-5 wingspan, 261. Yeah. Like, and he's a lot bigger than Joel was, too. Like, stronger yeah he's stronger but if you look at Joel Embiid I mean the thing that like Joel Embiid is a good comparison not because they are the same player but to compare to a guy that has the similar body type but different ceiling to me because like Joel you watch the first game at Kansas you say well this guy needs like a year or two in college at least Mm -hmm. then middle of the season he's starting to do like advanced post moves like stuff that Akeem was doing and then in a game or two, again, he's shooting trees reliably. These kind of evolution and the, the like, the easy way in which Embiid um, learned to do advanced stuff, Aiton doesn't have those. Yeah. And so, to me, it puts a ceiling on what Aiton can do uh, in a short window of, of time, like in year one, two, three. Uh, but there's no way to know how he will look like in year four and five mm-hmm. because he has all the tools to to be a great center. Like he has great feet. He doesn't know how to use them, no. uh, which is something that you can very much learn in the NBA. Yeah, it'll be about situation for him to yeah. me. Like if he doesn't, like if he ends up going to a directionless franchise like the Kings or oh no like that would be it could be really bad for him um Mm -hmm. because i just you can just watch him and i'll say this first before i get into any of this other stuff he's easily one of the most physically gifted players to come into the nba in a while Like like he is huge he can really move he can hedge high on a screen he can you know get out and contest uh, three-point shots he can do it all he can do it all but when you watch him play you can see him thinking the game and you yeah. can see him like when he hit when he does hedge high on a screen like you can see him like almost saying in his head i'm hedging like i'm <laughs> like <laughs> like he's like actually like you can see him like physically complete the hedge and see like he checks it off in his head almost and then he'll move I back. I did that. Then I have to go back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And now I go back. And it's you watch <laughs> him do it over and over again. And it's like, oh, wow. Like he doesn't, like he is doing what his coach is saying, which is good. But he doesn't get it. Like, Yeah, he's not, he's not, he's not something that he masters. And that's fine. Like he's 19 years yeah. old and he's young and he's figuring it out. But physically he can do it all. But like the game is still coming to him and he may figure this all out and he may just be a complete monster. Um, but I think that what we're saying is that not all of this, the, the thinking part of the game doesn't come super easy for him and that he's still going through all of that. Like he's not going to come in and just destroy the NBA. Like he's, no, it's going to take some time. Like offensively, he's going to put up numbers. I feel like wherever he goes, especially if they can, 
especially if he's paired with a good point guard, like they'll just, they'll kill people. But defensively it's going to, it's going to take a minute for him uh, unless he develops over the summer like tremendously with whoever he goes to it's going to take it's going to take a minute because he really you can just see him thinking the game and that's a that's a little bit scary you don't you you don't want to be when you're watching like one step ahead of where you think they should be because he he would hedge out on guys like way too far at times just because he felt like that's this is what i should be doing and this is where i should be going and like he'll hedge out on a guy that has like is not going to he's not doing anything <laughs> he's not <laughs> and so that was those those kind of things were a little bit alarming to me but also he has like the physical gifts to do all of that um but yeah he's not i don't know like he he doesn't his physical gifts excite me but everything else not really yeah i mean the the thing that offensively uh scares me is that he doesn't screen like he doesn't really set good screen. Yeah. If you and then we will uh, talk about Jaron Jackson in a minute probably, and there is a clear cut difference on the physical um, part of the game for for Aiton. Yeah. So he he does two things. This case one again uh, he doesn't screen. He often slips uh, and takes jumpers, which is fine. I mean, it's it's something that if a big guy can master is a very good stuff. But but still, with that body, I really want to see him make contact. Yeah, like create, absorb, and like move guys with your screens. And the second part is he can't really establish position down down low. Mm-hmm. And staying in front of the defender. Like a lot of times I saw like maybe we watched like hundreds of clips uh, on him. Um, and the thing that I that I watched him doing a lot of time is he goes in the back of his defenders and tries to get the lob. Right. He's so, he's so tall that he can do that in the NCAA with almost anyone. Like if the point guard... Uh, puts the ball um, high enough, he will be able to to get it and to dunk or to to make a uh, a quick post move. But these things are not easy in the NBA. Like you cannot see many many lob 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 situation, especially static one. You can see lobs uh, thrown through when uh, when a guy uh, ran a pick and roll. That, that that you can do, but you have to screen to move and then to catch a lob. Aiton does it. Uh, in a static situation, like he just takes position behind his defender. That thing in the NBA is not easy, or like not many coaches will allow you to just well just try to 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 push a bit your defender and and catch a lot. Uh, so uh, I I'm not sure about how again how ready he will be um, from day one. Uh, maybe he will surprise us all and he will be like a monster from the beginning. But this is not what the feeling that I get. And again, uh, there is no way and I will not take him outside top three probably. Yeah. With that body, you, oh. you have to take him. Well, maybe top four, but like not below that. Yeah, a big that can move like that. If you can get yeah. him in the right spot, like he will... He will yeah, destroy and he can, people. And he can shoot. And he can yeah, shoot, and so. he can shoot at some. And I just wh- one thing that I was waiting for over and over again was for him to just physically dominate somebody because yeah. he's got good point. I mean, he's massive compared to these dudes he's playing against, and he just didn't. 
like I saw Marvin Bagley beast guys on the offensive end more than I did um, DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. Like go like roll hard to the basket and just cram it. Like I just didn't see that from him he a lot. Need to. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't. And maybe that's something he'll he'll have to learn in the NBA is to roll hard to the basket. But he does. He loves to pop out. He loves to slip the screen. He doesn't. You don't see him seeking out that contact. Mm-hmm. And that's that's another like thing of note. Like he's nineteen. Like he can certainly learn to do those kind of things, but it's not like something that he naturally goes to as to he's, he's physically a guy that can dominate, should have dominated the college game more, but he plays more finesse, um, Mm -hmm. which is, it's just interesting because he's, I mean, he's got 30 pounds on Bagley. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, you just, and you can see that his body is huge, but you can see that he's got a ton of room to get bigger and to get stronger, which is, yeah, which is, which is scary. He's crazy. He's seven foot two sixty, and it may even weigh more than that at this point. And I mean, it's, he's physically, he really is a mod. And I see why he's the consensus number one, just because of the body. And, you know, we'll find out tomorrow is the draft lottery, which is one of my favorite days of the year. It's super, <laughs> <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just love it. I love the draft lottery. I remember specific draft lotteries. The one in particular was the Blake Griffin draft uh, where mm-hmm. the Thunder got James Harden. And I just remember you're, you're just, you just have the commercial break right before they announce who's going to be the number one pick. And you're just on pins and needles. If that's your team, that's, you know, called into the, the top two um, or the top three. But yeah, it's a, uh, that'll be tomorrow. And so we'll know like who's, who's got the top pick and, you know, Phoenix ends up with it. We've talked about this, like they are probably looking at Luka Doncic. Um, yeah, but Aiton, he'll be tough to pass up. Like he, he, yeah. he will be because I think they're going to get to see him in workouts and just him walking into a room. You're going to be like, Oh wow. Like he's, one, he's he, one of he those guys. Should, yeah. And then he probably drains like, 40 trees out of 50, right you like yeah. stand still and you say whoa i have to get him yeah and and yeah that's enough but the point is if you get a seven footer that he has those feet and like the agility that he has and he can shoot trees you can bet that he will learn uh and again we cannot and we will not take into account in any of our evaluation the person because we don't know anything about him right but if you are reasonably sure that he likes to improve and to do to put in the work like like jason tatum as we said before Mm -hmm. uh then you have to take him (laughs) like the the upside is too much yeah and i've read some about him and there's some questions about his work ethic yeah um yeah that's why i I brought it up it's kind of scary (laughs) yeah yeah that's 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 another like like him and bamba shares the same kind of uh, issues mm-hmm. uh, in terms of work ethics. But again, Simmons had the same um, questions yeah. coming into the draft. And the reason was, I mean, I'm not being paid. I don't really care. Right. <laughs> when, I, when I'll when i be paid for a job, then I'll care. And he turns out that he cared. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, it's it's always, again, a fine line. And we have no, no way, uh, no one probably besides NBA teams, uh, has ideas, right ideas uh, on 
uh, on these guys. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Marvin Bagley. He's a guy that kind of going into this season was one of he was projected to be the top guy and we got to see him a little bit and he's fallen um and a lot of it like i hate watching duke play they play zone um grayson allen is there and you just want to punch him in the face uh it's hard probably oh yes without a doubt you're not holding back anything you want to give if you get if you get a chance to pop him you just want to give it all you got um but yeah Bagley's interesting like he's he uh he's he's the perfect team that still wants to tank he's like the perfect pick for a team that still wants to tank because he's going to come in and he's going to put up big time numbers on the offensive end just because he's like super skilled and does roll hard to the basket and throws down ferocious dunks and i think you know if you don't know what to watch for on the defensive end like you'll love this guy but like he played zone all year and whenever he did the few times that i watched him play in space like he was lost in space like he was just out there and he's like i saw one drive where he's completely spun around um mm-hmm. while somebody was driving by him and it was like oh no like he's like the nba is going to just just destroy him when it comes to stuff like that and so like he's got and he's i mean he's 19 years old he's young all these guys are young and they can they could develop into somebody but his his defensive instincts and the way that he plays on the defensive end like Aiden was really thinking the game and like very deliberate about what he did when he was guarding out on the perimeter um Bagley's not even like intentional like he's just lost from from what I've seen and he and he can he's got long arms and get out there and contest shots at times but if he's guarding like a ball handler like it'll be all over well can i i i may disagree a bit on this okay um um, because i i think that again in duke's system there there are very few things defensively that you can really learn about the prospect and in some drives that i i saw him guard you can see him being lost in terms of, well, I I decide to put this guy uh, to, to drive on the left or on the right. I stay basically um, square and he draws by, by me. Right. In some other drives, he decides to, to, to push him uh, right and he actually is able to, to stay with him because mm-hmm. Marvin Begley has very, very quick feet. So he can, and I think he will, be an adequate switch defender. Um, the, the part that you rightfully mention is the help defense and the defense in space, where he's completely and terribly lost. But it, this reminds me um, of our analysis of Ferguson. And since I did that analysis saying that he could not be an adequate defender for a long time, um, and it now makes me think close to the same way to Bagley. So mm-hmm. he's lost now. But he's that is fault. Or the system he was playing into uh, is not really a good one uh, defensively. So I, I'm willing to give him a pass on that end because of the tools that he has. He's not a rim protector. And 
with his toolbox offensively. He doesn't have to be. You can play a stretchy four um, like Begley, who is crazy good in terms of uh, offensive rebounds uh, because like he's like really elite. Like there's no one in college for, since a while that can do the thing that he's doing now. Yeah. 20% almost of his offense is offensive rebounds. And he basically grabs them all. Yeah. And that specific, um, if you combine his leaping ability, his touch, uh, his drive with the left hand, all these things, you can, you can almost excuse the fact that he's not a very good defender in space. I think that with the right defensive system uh, that uh, switch most of the, most of the situations, he can be not detrimental. Yeah. And and if you if you have this view, then you know why uh, he is that eye. Because the motor is like great. He has a lot of energy. Yeah. He always is uh, active. And, and the skill set is modern because yes, he 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 has like a low free throw percentage, which is scary. And it is the part that to me will will determine where where it's going to be picked up. Because if he shows in, in workouts that he can shoot the three reliably, then there's no way it slips. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, I, I, I like him more than I thought I would because I've heard people mm-hmm. talk about him. And like a lot of people are just kind of turned off by his year um, mm-hmm. at Duke. And offensively, like you see it, like it's all there. And mm-hmm. he'll get bigger and he'll get stronger. Um, as time goes and those, he, the way that he rolls hard to the basket and is able to finish and can shoot it a little bit. And, you know, and he's, he made some big shots and some big moments too. Um, and so I, I don't like defensively, like I said, like I'm, I have the concerns are definitely there and, and you make a good point that like, it's hard to know what kind of defender any of these guys are at Duke with they're playing, you know, the two, three zone and it's, like I don't know. Um, he didn't. He didn't get as many opportunities to defend in space, and I, the times that I saw it, I was it, it scared me. But if he goes, to the, it's and it's all about situation, and I think that's probably the most underrated thing when it comes to the NBA draft with these guys, is that if they go to the right situation, I guess let's say like he could go to Dallas and mm-hmm. you know play for Rick Carlisle, who is a good oh, coach. Boy, that- that that is offensively. Oh, <laughs> this, it would be this perfect. Would be, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And Imagine like the dynamic duo, a pick and roll duo. They it, like you can create with yeah. Dennis Smith and him. Like wow. Yeah, and if and I don't know a lot about him as a person, but as long as he's not like Nerlens Noel, then mm-hmm. he should, he'll be fine. Like I think he'll yeah. learn from Carlisle, and Carlisle will make sure that he defends, and we'll teach him how to defend. And he's got the physical gifts. He's not as physically gifted as Aiden is, um, but he's quick. Like he can, he, well, can, yeah. he can move. And um, if he could get into the right situation, great. But if you go, if these dudes go to the wrong situation, especially these big guys, to me, if these big guys go to the wrong situation and they don't have a good point guard with them and they don't have good coaching and there's not stability within the franchise, like these guys could be busts. 
Like they really could. Like any of any of these guys to me could be. Jaron Jackson's like the only one that I don't like see. Like he's not going to bust. Like he's got like a definitive floor for me. Um, mm-hmm. But when you can't, as a big man, if you can't defend, then it's really, really tough to play or t- to be a starter. I'll say that. Yeah. It's really tough to be a starter. Like you can, you could come off the bench and be an NS Cantor type player. But when you're picking in the top five, like that's not what you're looking for. You're not looking for like a sixth man big, like you're looking for a guy that can be your starting center, especially with Aiden. And so situation is just so important and will be so, so important for these guys. And that's why like this draft lottery is really important for these guys because yeah. inevitably these, they will, these guys that we're talking about will go in the top six, seven, eight, like all those guys will be gone by then. And mm-hmm. so the order will be determined tomorrow and it will determine the future of these guys. Um, so yeah, it's it just, I mean, if Jason Tatum doesn't go to Boston, I still think he's good, but is he this good? No, you know, well, if he got, but, but question, what if, what if he goes to Philly? Like, I love that fit anyway. Like with Bagley goes to Philly. No, 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 Tatum. Oh, Tatum. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's also a great <laughs> so, situation. Yeah, yeah. That's that's like, and, and maybe, I, I really maybe hope. it's not. It, it's probably not as good as as Boston, but it's no it's, because because Stevens is the best, right? Probably right now. So yeah, yeah. Like coaching wise, if you get Stevens, you get like the best. And uh, Brown is a very very good coach, but it's not good. like like he's good and he created something when like. And you can. The uh, role is there for him. For for Tatum. Yeah, I know. For Tatum, yes. Uh, But, but like, let me do like two minutes on on Brett Brown. Um, I heard a lot of criticism and the fact that Stevens outplayed him in the final two minutes of two games with two great ADOs. Yes, that's true. But remember when this team uh, two seasons ago was awful and he still was able to create a winning mentality mm-hmm. much like scott brooks did in okc those coaches and wayne casey is close to the same um those coaches are rare to find and like there's no like a guy like brett stevens uh, brett stevens probably doesn't get along in years and if 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 him is the only um uh, coach you measure him you measure others coaches uh, against then you will find a lot of bad coaches in the nba um i think that there is value in, in coaches that does uh in, co- in a coach that does uh, development and culture and stuff like that stevens can do both great mm-hmm. he's one of a kind yeah you're right uh yeah i like that situation in philly a lot and mm-hmm. for Really, I mean, obviously they don't, they're not in dire need of a starting big man, but like, I like it for any of these guys. Like if they mm-hmm. were to go to Philly, like you'd feel very comfortable with them going to that franchise. Like they have some stability now, they have a real future and they have developed guys really well. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting situation. Certainly. Uh, let's talk about a guy that would be good in Philly or be good in Boston or I think that if he's a part of a good offensive system that can play to his strengths, like he'll, he'll be so good in the NBA. And it's Jaron Jackson out of Michigan. Um, 
he's already a monster on the defensive end. And he's, I don't know if he's the youngest guy in the draft, but he's one of the youngest guys in the draft. He's 18 years old. Um, mm-hmm. and it's from September, September, 1999. Yeah. Which scares me. Oh, like. <laughs> we're about to hit, we're about to have players that are born in the two thousands. That no, no, NBA. That's, that's not true. That will never happen. Oh man. Um, but Jaron Jackson is, he's defensively, he's like everything you want in a modern big man. Like the dude can and more. switch. And yeah, more. yeah, he can switch. He can defend the rim. He can, he's strong enough down low to handle guys. Uh, and he's quick enough to get out on shooters and to switch and to like, he's all of that. And mm-hmm. offensively, you know, they've, they've tried to post him up quite a bit and it's not there. And I'm kind of glad it isn't because I don't think that they'll be doing that in the NBA and they shouldn't be doing that in the NBA anyways. Um, I think that that part of his game should and probably will go away. Um, be situational at least. Yeah. It, just- he, if it's a mismatch, then yes, he, he'll be mm-hmm. fine, but you're not going to just traditionally post him up. Um, and he was, he was still efficient. Like, like he's not very refined in post ups, but he still can get it done. Yeah. So it's good to have there. I mean, you don't want to plant your offense on that, but he, he's not a weakness per se. Yeah, no, no, you're right. You're right. Um, I probably overstated that on on him just because I just don't like the way it looks. Yeah, no, no, no. It's it looks it looks mainly ugly because he's not refined as a post player. It's just throw it up sometimes, and yeah. the, the basket goes in, yeah. uh, the ball goes in. So yeah, no, I, I, and to be honest, when you are not refined, those things will hardly work in the NBA. Right, against stronger, smarter guys like against exactly. the Steve, like against the Stephen Adams, it's like okay, yeah, like he's that, got that no hope. <laughs> um, um, but he, uh, he's like to me. Like if I'm betting on like any of these guys making it in the in this NBA, um, it's it's him. Like he's gonna like he's gonna be good and he's gonna play and could play on even a playoff team at this point. Not that he would have a massive role for those teams, but defensively, like he looks ready to me. Like he can yeah. he, he can play the coverages that the NBA teams are playing. And I feel like Michigan State does a really good job uh, preparing their guys for the NBA because they're out there running systems and they're trying to. And he's a willing shooter. He's not. I, I don't know what kind of shooter he'll be in the NBA. It takes him a while to get the shot off. It's flat. It's ugly. Like his offensive game is kind of ugly at this point in time. Um, but he's a willing shooter, which I think is something. And if he could learn to hit if he could hit it like a 35 percent clip from three mm-hmm. and if which he, is not unreasonable no it's not and if he can and he's going to defend like we know he is and he's going to get better and he's going to get bigger and stronger i mean he's still 18 years old like we said like this guy's gonna be good and, he, and yeah. if and if he can be put in the right system and go to a team that already has like established scores and stuff like that like he's not going to be your primary scoring guy but he he's going to be extremely valuable to an NBA team and is going to make an elite help make an elite defense for somebody like he's he's already that uh, he, I was I was just really impressed with with Jaron Jackson. 
Yeah, and I read, um, I always read like good writers like Sam Bassini and Mike Schmidt. Mm-hmm. Mike Schmidt. And both of them said in different words that he has it to be like a depoy candidate yeah. sooner or later mm-hmm. in his career. Yeah. And if you watch him play, like his awareness on defense is awesome. So say that he switched on, not on, like not in the post, but on the weak side. He's watching constantly, ball player, ball player. He never, never loses his attention on the possession. So he's very aware and he knows how to be aware of the movement of all the player. Then if he switch, he A, can hold uh, even faster player and he uses his hands very well. So Steven Adams, for example, he is good on switches, but when a guy blows by him, there's close to no way that he can recover in time and block the shot with his arms. Yeah. Jackson can do that yeah. because he's very, very long and has a crazy good timing. It reminds me a lot of Gobert. Um, he is not as long, um, but he has the same uh, weakness as a defender and the same um, advantage as a defender because he's not very good in guarding crafty post move, um, post players. Like, if you if you are a very good post player, then Gobert is not at his best. Uh, but when he has to defend in space, um, like go, play the passing lanes, uh, cover the rim, and all this all this stuff, he's elite right away. And as you said, offensively, he has a role. Um, the shot scares me. Uh, he he is thirty nine for the season, which is very high on one hundred uh, attempts, so two point um, eight per game. But in the last ten games, playing better competition, he's just thirty two, mm-hmm. which is not bad, of course. Uh, and if like if he shots like thirty three percent, he's like imagine Gobert with a thirty three percent three point shot. Yeah, <laughs> like he's. That would top be... 10 player he's already uh, close to that but but imagine that Gobert tomorrow starts to shoot corner threes at a 34-35% rate mm-hmm. A you have no issues in playing him with favors which is we he's like better um, rebounder than him yeah offensively and so imagine playing a guy like him with Horford uh, like or anchoring the second unit for Philly like Oh man, he's like you can really get stuff with him on the defensive end, and offensively, if he develops the way he looked like, because like the all the advanced metric, like the free throw rate, the free throw percentage, and all these things that actually correlates well with you know, with, with three point range are pretty solid. Like seventy nine percent free throw percentage on forty on four point one attempts is a very, very good tell that he is probably able to develop a reliable shot. So, yeah, I'm sold. And to me, he's the guy that will not sleep, will not probably tops because he will not be taken um, before Aiton or or Doncic. But I don't think he moves from three and four. Like, he's, he's going to be taken there by someone. Yeah. Yeah, I'd take him over Bagley. I just... I just he's more of a sure thing to me than mm-hmm. Marvin Bagley is and he's younger than Bagley and his measurables are and this is when he was 
just about to turn 18. He's still 17 when he, when they got these measurables. He's 6'11", 240, 7'4", wingspan. So, uh, <sighs> yep. he's, I mean, he's, he's a beast. And the difference, like you compared him to Gobert, like the difference is like he can get out there and switch out on guys and it's like nothing. Yeah. And, and can go guard on the perimeter if he needs to. And so like yeah. that, I, I don't know, like this, you know, I have, I haven't, this is like my first deep dive into these draft prospects, but of the guys that we've talked about today, this is my guy. Like he's my guy. Like I just think, I just don't see him failing in the NBA and I don't see Aiton failing either. Like I really, I, I don't see him failing either. Um, but I just, the way that he defends, I'm just like, okay, I see it. It's there. He's got it. Like he's going to be, he's going to be great. And, um, situation will matter for him offensively. Certainly like he's, yes. you know, I feel like Bagley could go anywhere and he's going to score. Aiton could go anywhere. Yeah, and like, he's going like to score. John Collins, uh, exactly. Atlanta last season. Like he, he's, he's going to score. Yes. It's going to happen. Doesn't matter where he is. Uh, Jaron Jackson, I have a little bit more question. And I feel like if he can be put in the right role and taught to do the right things on the offensive end, um, man, you're talking about like a a top, you know, three and D type center in the NBA, and really mm-hmm. that's it's underselling what he could be what he could be by saying that. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go ahead and move on to Michael Porter Jr. Um, He's a forward. He played for Missouri. He let me get his measurables up. He, six ten. He's six ten. Um, man, I hate the way he moves. Like, don't don't look into. It. I mean, with Porter, we should say there's nothing to be seen in his college career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Like he, nothing. Yeah. We should really not look to that to those clips because otherwise, you 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 start questioning athletic um, bounce. Uh, lateral quickness, all the things that made him the prospect he is. So to me, like if you if you if you evaluate Porter based on his three games uh at Mizzou, he's not like a draft prospect. Like yeah. he he's not like a lottery type or at least top five. Let's, let's tell me this is he hunched over was he hunched over in college like that? Like, or in, in high school I mean? I don't think so. He he is and was a beast. <laughs> yeah. Like, he he like I saw him jump in a few highlight video, which you should not really watch to to um, to evaluate a player, but to evaluate like certain stuff like the bounce. Mm-hmm. And then you watch him at Mizo. Like there's nothing. The muscle memory, like the form of his shot, changed. Um, I think he is recovering and. That's why I, 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 he is risky because of that. Because you, yeah. you basically are looking to two different players. But then you see flashes of handle and burst and um, plastic uh, layups and, and, and compact mecha- me- uh, shooting mechanism. So all this stuff are there, but there's too much dust on it to see really um, a player. Um, what player he is, and I yeah. don't think we will see anything before the draft. Yeah, like he will probably show up for the combine, talk with teams, no physical 
example, no shooting, no whatsoever. And he will do private workout that we will know nothing about. And and then he will be taken second or third. And we will be all, all amazed about that. And then he'll play the first game and say, oh, yeah, that is the player. Yeah, and he's like he's got he's clearly skilled. Like even just watching yeah. him at Mizzou, like you can tell, you can see the things he wants to do. I guess would yes. be a good way yes. to say it, right? Yes. Because he uh, runs off screens and wants to shoot coming off a screen from three, which is like oh, like that's a very translatable skill right there. Um, yeah, he's like he's if he can be if he can get right health wise. Mm-hmm. Like he could also be a good guy. I I question really any of these guys that we've talked about, and it's a little bit scary because they're all at the top of the draft. Like whether like they could be your offense, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe Porter's the guy out of any of these guys that could be. Um, but and it's it's tough because like the clips that I've seen of him are from Missouri, and where he's not physically right and. Like of any of these guys that could be the offense, it would be him. But I, I haven't seen it yet. I guess would be my only my only thing. Um, but he has the tools there. Uh, but the way he's moving in those games at Missouri scare the crap out of me. Um, yeah, because if that's how he's going to move on the NBA level, like he'll he'll play and he'll be he'll have a role in the NBA. But he's he's a role player at that point, and he's not a guy like a top guy on your team. And you're not always going to get that when you're selecting at the top of the draft, but you sure as heck would like that. <laughs> and so it's, it's, I don't, it's, he scares the crap out of me. He really does. He could end up being awesome. And I could see that I could play like he's a, he's a four that would be a, if he's healthy, a huge mismatch for whoever, like he's just got that kind of skill, but um, the health and the the way he's kind of hunt the way he's like hunched over and the way he's moving like I know he had he, the problem was his back like I know that, um, which the, is scary. By it itself. is like like, like the, back issues are are scary. They it's are. Scary. He's I don't know. He he's you scar- know what, he's what should me. happen? What you know what should happen? What uh, like Philly uh, gets the Lakers pick mm-hmm. the Lakers pick. And they just sit him for one year and he turns back. <laughs> like when he comes yeah. back, he's just hey, uh, a charter of Pacific Rim. That's <laughs> one or two. And he's just the beast. That's the, the Philly ones. model. And he'd be great yeah. there. Like he, he would be, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he would be wonderful there as, as far as like his potential and what like shooting off screens and, you know, being a guy that, can score but doesn't have to have the ball in his hands to score like that like that's like everything that philadelphia needs and he's got the skill he's got the shot he's got he's got all those tools there um like that kind of situation for michael porter jr would be great because he doesn't i'm just afraid if he is like you know put in a situation and you're like hey you're the man and like yeah i don't like i don't i don't see that for him yeah, no, but there are situations for him, and I think that again, if if so, uh, probably I, I said something wrong because Philly doesn't have the Lakers pick, uh, someone else has it. But anyway, uh, let's say he goes to Philly somehow, then it, it is a good fit. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, uh, yeah, because he could slip. Like it just depends. Yeah. Like what? Like what happens with? Um, 
at the combine, like if he goes to the combine and they do the measurables and they check him out and it's like, oh, well, he's not quite the guy we thought he was going to be, you know, physically. Mm-hmm. And like he could slip and he could be a guy that people get, you know, you know, in the, you know, late to uh, the late lottery or the mid lottery. And he, like he was a guy that people thought like he's like, this could be the number one pick in the draft. Yeah, that's why I don't think he slips. Like he, he just those kind of prospect just doesn't sleep. Well, too much. and you know he's he's super interesting too for the Cavaliers. Um, yeah, if he yeah. if LeBron decides to stay, he is super interesting for them. Yeah, and LeBron yeah. has never, and I'm not a huge Michael Porter guy, but LeBron has never played with a young guy, even at his level, and so. Yeah for LeBron to be able to kind of teach him and to mold him a little bit, if he can be right physically, it's like, Oh, okay. Like that's actually pretty good. Like he can run off screens and play on offense without the ball. And you have LeBron there to kind of the similar role to Philly, but obviously you have the best, you know, one of the best players of all time there, you know, teaching him the ropes. Like, I think that's a good situation for him. I just fear I just fear for him to go to a situation where he's having to be like the first or second guy. And By the way. Yeah. I don't like that. I that that scares me. The expectations that could be put on him could be scary. But if he could go to a situation where he takes a back seat and he even if he starts, if he's like your fourth or fifth starter and, you know, doesn't have to take, you know, twenty shots a game and he can be a role player and kind of grow into like I can see that. Like I could, I I kind of like that role for him. But it's again, situation is so so important. And there's some there's some guys like a uh, like Kevin Durant, uh, Anthony Davis. Like it didn't matter where they went. Like they were no. going to just dominate, and they were going to be incredible. And it didn't matter where they were. They were going to take a franchise, and they were going to make them relevant. Um. I don't see that in these four guys that we've looked at today. Like I don't see any of these guys and maybe Jaron Jackson's the only guy just because defensively, like he could anchor a defense. Yeah. Um, but it's not that he's, he's, and it's more of like a Gobert situation. Like Gobert like defines the floor for them, but sometimes the floor is you get the ninth, you're the ninth seed in the West. You yeah. know? And so like, I don't, I don't see any of these guys like just pulling them into relevance. Like, I just don't, I don't see that from any of them. There's one guy, though, who can be that player. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Luca, Luca is that guy. Luca is, is the guy. Yeah. Luca Doncic is, is a player that you, you will fall in love with immediately as soon as you watch him play. Uh, If you watch clips on YouTube or wherever, um, just watch the way in which he shapes the game, in which he plays the pick and roll, the angles that he creates. As I will, as I was talking to you, telling to you before, um, offline, in one possession, he took a screen, like a normal screen. He did three dribbles and then threw the ball behind his neck. <laughs> like in a game, it was not like a showcase. It was a playoff game in ACB, which is arguably the best non-NBA league um, on the planet. And he basically targeted the shooter on the on the weak corner, so all the other side of the court, perfectly in the in the shooting pocket. 
Mm-hmm. Those plays are not happening by chance. And he reminds me a lot in terms of the way he plays and sees the game um, to a different kind of Manu Ginobili because he is not the kind of athlete that Manu is. Right. But the way he sees passes, he sees angles, uh, the way he seeks the, um, some kind of shots, he is the perfect, perfect guy uh, to to be like a Ginobili-like guy, uh, a guy that changes the pace, that controls the game. Um, he's not elite athlete, uh, and this is the main knock on him. Yeah. But the rest, like he, he's he's unbelievable, and he's so young. He's 1999 as well. And, and again, it's two years that he's playing professional basketball on the best team in Europe, and yeah. these should not be discounted because he's the best player on the best European team by far. And he is playing like, I don't know, at 28 years old. Um, I remember, uh, and the last thing I will say about him, uh, I remember um, a game against Real, uh, against uh, Seska Mosca. Um, Real Madrid is down, down big. And he basically gets, um, get on the court. He's 16. um, And the coach basically just put him in just to see what happens. And he shoots like four times. He makes four threes. Um, Real Madrid wins that game uh, with him basically being the best player on the court. Mm-hmm. And like the, in, in EuroLeague, like, again, the highest competition um, in Europe against one of the best team. Uh, the one like Messina coached there, uh, Snyder coached there. And he basically at 16, when I was just able to to stay in school and paying like random attention to classes, he was dominating um, an early game. So he's a guy. Yeah, he's he's probably my favorite guy in this draft just Mm -hmm. because of what he can be. And he's also the kind of player that I kind of gravitate toward that really they just know how to play the game and yeah. he's thinking like two steps ahead of everybody he's he can pass it he can shoot it uh he's you're right he's not the most athletic guy but he can really move uh um, he's big he's fairly big and he's a and he's got a pretty good nba body like i just i he could be your offense and your offensive hub for a team like I think yeah. that that's that's possible, and he fits the modern NBA really well. Um, it's just what do you want a do you want a I think that when you want when Luka Doncic watch walks into a workout, they're going to physically look at him and say, "Huh, okay, like you got to show me something." When when DeAndre mm-hmm. Ayton walk, walks into a workout, he doesn't have to, to do anything. Except for maybe shoot yeah. a couple threes, and they're like, yeah. the ownership and the GM or whoever's going to be like, whoa, like that's he, like he's super impressive, and it's really just going to be what do you, what does the franchise want? What do these franchises want? Yeah, like do they want a physically crazy, just monster, or do they want this guy who maybe is he's definitely not physically dominant. Um, but the skill no. level is through the roof and yeah. just the thought, like we, we talked about like Aiden, like, you know, you can see him thinking I am hedging out. Now I'm running back. Like yeah. you don't see that with Luka Doncic. Like he's, he's just, it just looks easy for him. 
He's one of the guy, one of those guys that makes the game look easy. And yeah, um, there's it's just a really one of the more interesting contrasts at the top of the draft because like right now, like those guys are one two, and maybe maybe Doncic falls a little bit in some other people's mocks. But it's one of the more interesting contrasts between one and two, if that's the order that they go in, um, just because it's physical gifts versus like a person that can think the game better than probably anybody else in the draft. It's really it's yeah. it's just highly interesting, and so I'm I'm I tend to, and the Thunder way is to go DeAndre Ayton. Like let's get these physical, physically gifted guys. Let's turn them into basketball players. And Aiden's that's that's an insult to Aiden. He's already a basketball player. Like he already knows how yeah. to play the game. He's good. He's already going to be good. He's got he's got a defined floor. He's not going to be a bust. Um, but I'm just more inclined to these guys that are just special with the ball and can shoot it, and that just are a step ahead of everybody. Like I just love watching those guys more. Like I, I like watching Manu. I like watching Boris Diaw. Uh, you mentioned Le- Joe Ingles on heavy, heavy, heavy steroids. That's that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I just those guys are just fun to watch. And Doncic is going to be that kind of guy. And I think that he could go to most any situation. I think he's going to be okay. Like I think that he can make a team into what you know, what he wants it to be more than any of these other guys. And I th- yeah. obviously situation, like you'd rather put him in a good situation. Like if he was in Philly or if he went to Boston, like, Oh no, 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 no. They, they can have all the good players. I mean, <laughs> I, I will, I will protest. Like if you put Doncic in a pick and roll with Horford oh or like, like the passing ability, Doncic is like, have you seen this year? Teodosic, Teodosic is a, yeah. uh, is a very good passer and probably a craftier one than Doncic, but the angles are the same. Uh, Like Teodosic had like arts to his passes. Doncic is more, um, I'll say, uh, he doesn't do like showcase stuff Mm -hmm. uh, too much because he cares to win mostly. Um, And, but those angles, those kind of passes are there with Doncic. Imagine like the space that, um, that Steven has in his offense and then a passer like that, that's that's amazing. Like, no, it wouldn't be that, fair. No, it wouldn't be fair. Uh, <laughs> and the same can go to Philly. Like, if you have two amazing passers like um, Doncic and and Simmons, yeah. like you can't go wrong. Go wrong with Doncic. Uh, the physical part is scary. Yes, and you have to probably hide him on defense a bit. Yeah. Because he's not going to to be able to keep up with a with a, a good ball handler um, right now. Maybe in the future it will. But if you can have a way to hide one guy, and well, the thing that you get on the other side are like incredible. Yeah, and that's where I, like other guys scare me a little bit. Like even Marvin Bagley. Like Marvin Bagley is really good scares me on the defensive end some um but he's not handling the ball like the ball handlers and passers and shooters in the nba are so important today mm-hmm. just so so important and that's what don has and we'll dive i want to dive a little bit deeper into his game um in the coming weeks and we'll talk about some more prospects so uh it's a long podcast but we yeah. will um we'll do more and if there's prospects that you guys are curious about and we'll 
we'll look into the second round. I'm not sure that the Thunder are going to find anybody at the end of the second round or that they'll even keep those picks. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll we'll take a look into that as well. Um, I don't think that it will be quite as exciting as um, the second round was last year because that second round, there's I mean, there's guys that can really play in that second round. Yeah, um, yeah, th- there are. Like, one is playing in the conference finals. So yeah, yeah, and I don't. But we'll we'll take a look at all that stuff too. But uh, McKelly, thanks for coming on the show today. You can follow McKelly on Twitter at Mikey Barra. You can follow me at Andrew K Schlecht and Down to Dunk at Down to Dunk. If you could take some time, leave us a five star iTunes review. If you listen week in week out. Um, and you want to find a way to support us, it's a free way to support us. It doesn't take much time out of your day, uh, probably two or three minutes at the most. Uh, if you'd like to leave a little uh, message on iTunes for us, that would be super nice. Um, if not, you can just click five stars and then bang, that's it. It's just an easy way to support us um, as we continue to put out content for you guys, and we will um, throughout the summer. So we appreciate you guys. We hope you have a wonderful day, and we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday.